This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Standard issue for all women. Hello, Mickey here. Welcome to Sunday Chops, one of two, because we think that you smashes are worth it. The 1st of October marked the beginning of Black History Month and for the four Sundays of October we are chatting to brilliant black women doing incredible things, both for the black community and for anyone who wants to get involved. Jen will be catching up with Elizabeth UV Beneni and Yomi Adegoki, authors of Black Girls Bible, Slay in Your Lane. Hannah chats with Claire Huken about her book for kids, What is Race? Who are racist? Why does skin colour matter? And other big questions. I have the temptation to say, let's find out after that. And if you're a fan of Bojack Horseman, well, it makes sense to you and to everyone else, I can only apologise. And then I have a date with the mashes up of social activism, music, dance and burlesque, Hot Brown Honey. In this Chops, I am chatting with Imriel Morgan, host of the Wannabe podcast, co-founder of the Shout Out Network and all-round top bird. We talk stuff to do, films to watch, how Windrush affected her family and much, much more. Over on Chops portion two, it's also me. Sorry or you're welcome, depending on your feelings on this. And I am catching up with acting tour de force Pauline McLynn, probably best known as tea pusher Mrs Doyle in Father Ted and a bloody smasher if ever there was one. She's currently the title role in Red Ladder Theatre's excellent production of Mother Courage and Her Children, so we taught Mother Courage, Father Ted, the perils of warm poo and needy cats, knitting tea cosies, and that time she may or may not have flashed Tom Cruise. A soupçon of admin. We've got some cracking live shows coming up, the next two both at Leicester Square Theatre. On October the 28th, we've got June Sarpong, Lisa Riley and Stacey Solomon. What a lineup! And on November the 20th, to mark International Men's Day, we do know it's actually on November the 19th, by the way, but our gig is on the 20th, and that's when you should be celebrating too. Thanks. When we have got Richard Herring, David Morrissey and Colin Jackson. Pretty good men. They're all right, aren't they? Some, some of them. A lot of them. You can grab tickets to both of those shows from www.leicestersquaretheatre.com. If you've got a couple of minutes to spare, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and maybe drop us a rating and a wee review. Five stars is really helpful. Thanks very much. Any spare bunch you'd like to throw our way is absolutely hugely appreciated. And you can do that via our Patreon page, which you will find at www.patreon.com forward slash standard issue. But for now, over to, uh, well, me and all round top bird, Emeril Morgan. Hello, Mickey here. I'm joined on the phone by Imriel Morgan, host of the Wannabe podcast, CEO of the Shoutout Network, friend of the show, and all-round top bird. Hey, Imriel. Hi. You have joined us to talk about Black History Month, which runs throughout October. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is an annual thing started by Linda Bellos. Could you tell us why it is so important that we have, in the UK, a Black History Month? I think it's important simply because we don't get it throughout the year. So I remember quite distinctly in school that a lot of the history centred around like British history, colonialism and 
some of the imperialism. And I think we have been a part of the fabric of British society long before even slavery to some extent. And I think it's important that we have some time to appreciate that and acknowledge that. It's important for Black British children to know that their history extends just beyond what we see in the UK. So I think it's important that we just commemorate that, not just for young Black children, but also for the representation across the board, across the whole population, that we actually did exist. And I think when people have a better understanding of everyone's history and cultural backgrounds, it just leads to a more tolerant society overall. And I think we need a little bit of that, especially now. Absolutely. I mean, how did it feel for you in those history lessons? I think for me, it just felt nice to be acknowledged and represented in some way, even if it is just once a year. For me, Black history has been like integral to my life, which I know isn't always the case for some families and some children. But my parents are both really proactive in terms of letting us know about our Caribbean history in particular, um, the history of the slave trade. My dad is really, really, really extra on making sure that we know everything about black history that predates slavery. So I've always had like a really good firm grasp on what, where I came from um, and why it's important to know that. So in terms of like the UK education system, acknowledging it, or like the wider society acknowledging that here's a month that we are going to acknowledge like people in black history and amazing leaders across the board. I felt like that was, it was important. It was. It felt significant. It felt like, oh, finally we have like this month that is kind of just for us. And even though there's usually always backlash against it, it just felt like that's irrelevant. We need this time to actually sit down and actually understand like black people did things prior to Windrush, prior to slavery. We have like a very rich cultural history and actually some of that exists in the UK. And I think some people often forget that. And it's nice to have that time to remember that. I wasn't taught it at all at school. It wasn't a thing when I was at school. Obviously, I'm quite a bit older than you. So what kind of stuff were they covering during those history lessons in Black History Month? Honestly, it was really limited. I'm not even going to lie. As nice as it felt to have it, it was super limited. I think my earliest memories were maybe around year four. Um, and I think we touched on the slave trade, which was a bit tense. I'm not... <laughs> which, um, <laughs> Understatement. Really, really... <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit tense, especially when you're, how old are you in year four, like seven or eight? Yeah, um, I think so. And then people kind of then look at you through that. It was very much about, it was very centred around slavery and it often remained that way. And then I remember uh, high school history, because I say at GCSE, we did touch on like the civil rights movement in the US. So it was always very much centred around like trauma and pain and suffering. And I think for a while, if I didn't have some of that, uh, the foundation from like my parents teaching me the other parts or the wider parts of the history and even going to the Caribbean and learning it from the source, I guess, I would have felt like black history was all about pain and suffering. And it really isn't. There's a lot more to it. But in terms of what we get taught, it is super, super limited, which is unfortunate. But I do appreciate that there are activities and organizations that do their level best to kind of combat that and speak about like ancient Egyptians, which form a part of history and West African history, um, because we have such a large Nigerian and Ghanaian population in the UK as well. So it is becoming more well-rounded and I haven't been in school for a long time. Um, (laughs) So I'm hoping that they've kind of updated what they're teaching. But in terms of what's happening external to the school, it's really phenomenal. You can learn so much in Black History Month. It's actually a really wonderful month for activities and events and 
just learning and I think that's really good. Well that leads us very neatly into the fact that you're doing quite a few activities and events to mark Black History Month. Could you tell us what you're up to? I can. I don't know if I'm doing quite a few. I should probably be doing more. I'm definitely going to be returning to the podcast, the Wannabe podcast, which I was on a three-month hiatus and I got given The Little Leaders by Vashti Harrison book and asked to do a, a bit of a campaign around it which is really cool because it's a beautifully, beautifully illustrated book of black women in history. I definitely recommend it for literally everyone. It is so wonderfully illustrated. It's just the perfect gift for kids. And because I actually haven't seen a book around black women in history, I think that's what made me so excited about this. So I was like, I'm going to come back and just actually highlight some really great black women doing phenomenal work, both here in the UK, also over in the US as well. I've got um, Abadesi who runs a company called Hopper Crew, which is all about getting young people into STEM. And she's a young, I actually think she's mixed race. She worked at Product Hunt. She does loads of things in tech and her whole thing is around gender diversity in tech. So I'm kind of sharing her story. She also wrote a book called Dream Big and Hustle Hard, which is just a phenomenal book for any young person that is really confused about what to do they are heading off to uni or heading to school she just does such amazing work and i think it's time like her story gets widely spread i'm also working very hard on getting vashti harrison herself who illustrated and wrote the book to come on mm-hmm. so we've been speaking back and forth in emails because she's going to be in the uk for the first week of october so she's done just beautiful illustrate like i've never seen anyone kind of just capture black women in illustration so beautifully and so adorably as well so it would be really great to speak to her and her background in illustration because we're like grossly underrepresented in the arts as I think we touched on at the live show as well that yeah. women are just not in design teams and in places um, which is a far less technical thing but she it's still nice to have a black woman that's illustrating and also really popular for it. Yeah those visual uh, representations particularly when you're younger they mean the world to you because if you can see it then you think that oh maybe I can do that as well. Absolutely and I um, I guess I guested the book to my little niece she's actually just turned to and her mum was like, oh, my God, where did you get this book? Like, she just completely geeked out over it. And I just, like, it was, like, the, be- the most beautiful reaction because I've ne- like, I've had that a handful of times in my childhood where you have books of little illustrations, and usually it's about black history, actually, um, where my mum would dig up, like, the most obscure books with black kids in it, but you just don't, you don't realise how impactful that is on your self-esteem as a child to see yourself represented in literature and in books. Yeah, hopefully I can secure Vashti to actually um, come through. We've made like some tentative plans that should actually happen. And then I'm kind of hoping to speak to Andy Thomas. She wrote The Hate You Give, which is a book about black activism, the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality. And it just turned into a film that is going to be released wow. late in, I think, early early November, late October um, with Amanda Stenberg. So there's quite a few like big plans happening across October for me and the podcast and then across SON I think for the Shout Out Network we're just going to ramp up all of our content we did a mini history series uh, like two years ago called On Archived History and we are hoping to kind of work with them in terms of just doing some social media content around black history cool things that are happening our community manager is actually the host of On Archived History so she is just a wealth of knowledge around that and I think anything we can do digitally this month is going to be really impactful just because we do have quite an active community a really 
decent follower base and I think even amongst black people we often forget some of the good things that we've done in history especially in black British history so we're going to be focusing a bit on that and providing literature resources um, TV shows documentaries and films for us this whole month is about platforming everyone that's done the work before us and and providing that space to them rather than us kind of like sucking the spotlight saying we do these amazing things which we do but um, it's definitely about just showcasing what's happened before and and giving it the room to kind of breathe and be digested even though it's taken way too fucking long do you think that the platforms <laughs> are out there now are they, are they getting easier for black british people to access yes <laughs> tentative <laughs> tentative yes i would say so simply because twitter is really a gold mine for information sometimes misinformation sure yeah. but i think it's easier to find like you don't have the type really elaborate searches to get the information you can search as simply as black history britain and get like a very good starting point with what you're looking for things like i know it just ever did uh gorilla uh which had mixed reviews but that was um a tv show that documented black british activism i think in the 70s big dress wasn't it It idris elba yeah, yeah, it was addressed and John Ridley, I mean, it got quite a bit of flack because it put an Asian woman at the centre of that conversation, which had, again, had mixed reviews. But I think what was important is that, like, even with Black British activism, there was political blackness. And that's a term that gets thrown around every once in a while, which people don't really understand what that means. And it was the idea that anyone that basically was just non-white identified as black for political reasons um, to basically create like a bigger community so things like that are really useful to know and i didn't actually have any understanding of black history and i think someone like lee jasper as well um who does quite a bit of activism in the black community he's really active during that history month uh the black cultural archive really really great at just sharing knowledge and resources both online and at the physical building in brixton overall like the online world has actually definitely pushed push black history out into i guess the masses so you're you're getting more in access to information and you can search it a lot easier um as well but yeah, it's still going to be a tentative yes because could there be more and could we get wider institutional support for it absolutely i think places like the british museum and the tape of the world could always be doing more to to better represent black britons but there's a slow slow growth so we will take the small wins as and when we get them but there's always more that can be done. Um, and I think it also shouldn't just be the month of October. There should be kind of, it should be better integrated into the education as well. But there's always February, which is American Black History Month, which kind of does reinvigorate Black Brits as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously months, because women get a month as well, cancer gets a month or various cancers get months. It is just to flag up the awareness, but we should be doing stuff all year round. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I'm very pro doing things across the year because um, I think people just get really like antsy like why is it just this month why do we need a black history month because it's literally white history month every month of the year even during black history month we still get quite a, a slanted or skewed view of black history and it's usually through the perspective of white history or colonialism so I think that there's still so much that can be done but I do think that a lot of people are changing that it's just a case of you have to be quite proactive in your search for that at the moment which is unfortunate but there are loads of twitter threads that come out about really great people in history and i think there's a lot of better literature for that now especially for kids 
You mentioned earlier that a lot of the history that you are taught, a lot of the black history that you were taught at school was very much through that pain and trauma and slavery and colonialism. What would you have liked to see being taught alongside that? What are some of the moments from black history that you've you've learned about since and have empowered you and you wish that were taught in schools? Oh, so much. Um, So I had a brief stint where I lived in the Caribbean in my younger years, so when I was like nine or ten. So we learned about Caribbean history or social studies, as they called it. And so you learn about Robert Llewellyn Bradshaw, who basically kind of was one of the people that led the independence of St. Kitts, which is a tiny island, which probably isn't relevant to everyone in the world, but it's a really wonderful story um, of independence. Actually, most Caribbean islands' uh, independence stories are really great. So things like being exposed to, even if it's just like, here's a little snippet of history from this obscure place that you might not have heard about is really useful. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite stories, which is very brutal, um, <laughs> like really brutal, is the Haitian Revolution led by Toussaint Leverture. I hope I didn't butcher that. The Haitian Revolution is like one of the most devastating stories in history that I don't think gets enough shine. So Haiti was one of the first slave colonies to rebel and actually succeed in getting its own freedom through the mass slaughtering of their kind of white slave captors. And I guess because it involves like a lot of, I guess, quote unquote, white genocide, they don't necessarily tell that story. But the French basically held them to ransom for several years um, and made them pay. They basically had to pay France reparations for their own freedom. And it the reason why Haiti is incredibly poor and is in the economic just shithole that it's in is simply because it was paying France like the equivalent of something like $10 million or something insane for the time. It was like, I, like the, I actually don't even know the actual hundreds, but it was a really long time ago. So it was really, really expensive and basically threw the com- uh, country into complete destitution. France has never really ever apologized for that or returned the money that they took from them for enslaving them. Hmm. So it's there's some really like grim history, but I think it's really useful to know that there are stories of victory and slave rebellions. Even before that, there's really rich West African history. There's really wealthy individuals in West African history as well that you kind of don't get to hear about as much um it's very much either egypt which just feels too back too far back to feel relevant or relatable but like the story of um i think his name is manson musa who's like one of the richest individuals in the world will stop um originally in i believe west africa there's a lot of really great history that's quite fun some of it's a bit grim to keep you excited and then there's other parts that are just i don't know not necessarily mundane but it's it's a story of independence, a story of freedom, it's a story of victory, which I think is really beneficial to know that when faced with injustice, you can actually overcome it. It's a story of hope, and we don't often get hope in our news or in our history. And I think that's the biggest um, takeaway from Black History Month is that we're never really given the stories of hopeful times, even the civil rights movement, as we can see even today, there's still parallels of what was happening back then to now, and it hasn't really changed that much. And I think if we had more stories of the positive or the hopeful sides of people actually standing up to the system, quote unquote, and winning, we would probably have a better chance at getting what we want in terms of justice for some of these unarmed black men that die and victims of police brutality or women that get locked up in the mental health system mm-hmm. um, because people don't understand their cultural um, ideologies or religious beliefs and get past the schizophrenia. So history has a really massive impact on how we treat people in society. And I think 
just better better access to stories, better access to their cultural significance would be much better for all of us overall. The relevance of fairly recent history has been in the news all of this year, really, with the Windrush scandal, mm-hmm. which is still rumbling on. People think it's solved. It's still rumbling on. Yeah, the Windrush thing... Yeah, it really hit it hit me hard because I think for the longest time I knew it was happening for months. You kind of just see it in the news and I, I really do make a point of just not getting involved in the news. Um, <laughs> I'm really deliberate, actually, in not reading anything. And so it was only... I think my dad had had um, a few issues with his citizenship because when he came to this country, he was, I guess, given a piece of paper as a British national. So it, pre- it was before... Jamaican independence so it was a British colony so you're a British citizen that's generally how it worked Mm -hmm. and so when he came over he was a British national and didn't feel the need to I guess apply for citizenship because he was a citizen it was like a really weird system in terms of what happened I guess I know a number of people who were like children of the Windrush and actual Windrush people they did apply for citizenship like there was a mass application process and some people definitely did it because I know my mum and my grandma were one of those groups that definitely went and applied and got their passports and everything was sorted out. There was a group of people that didn't feel the need to, and that was fair enough. And my dad, I guess, was one of those individuals. And a few years ago, they took, he was, he worked here and he was doing his thing and they took his driving license and said he couldn't get it back because he needed proof that he was a citizen. And his main role at the time involved a lot of driving. That was like part of his job. And they took that away. And that was like in the early 2000s. So this has been going on for quite some time where they were starting to slowly peel away people's rights. And then this year, he called me and he was like, oh, I have to deal with this Windrush stuff because um, they're like deporting people. And I was even in Jamaica up until like two years ago. And you'd hear stories on the radio how this person, um, who I guess was either like in foster care or something, came back to Jamaica just to visit and reconnect with their homeland and try to get back to the UK and was told that they couldn't, they weren't allowed back in because they're not a citizen. And England was all they knew, so they got deported back to Jamaica with no family ties or anything like that. There were so many stories like that every day on the radio. And of course, um, but over so here, had... that voice is silenced. We don't get to hear those stories because they're Absolutely. not allowed to speak. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's really, it was really insidious. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? And then my mum would be like... This happened in St. Kitts. Some woman was just found, like, not found on the side of the road. She wasn't dead. She was just, like, I guess, hitchhiking, looking lost. And someone, I think it was a very friendly place. So people were like, oh, who are you looking for? And she she had one name that she knew on the island who wasn't necessarily family and then ended up staying there and just tried to get back to the UK and just was really struggling. So it is a story that's been going on for a long, long time. Um, my dad actually did just get his citizenship in August. Yeah, it was really, really rough. I remember feeling very angry and crying like every day like how do you do that for people how yeah it still hit me actually it's really sad it is incredibly sad and incredibly wrong that i think it was was it to do with the way the passports are phrased so if you were a citizen of the united kingdom and colonies you got less rights and it's just so fucked up most of them only have like a piece of paper if that definitely had a piece of paper that said i am a subject of the british something uh, it was something like I'm a, I'm a British subject or something like that and he only had the photocopy for a while because the original went missing and they would just ask you questions that it would be input like can you prove what school you went to do you have records of your school and like most people clear out like old certificates and like get rid of stuff and you just like you're going about your normal human experience 
and then someone's like you have to prove who you are which is very, like I don't disagree with people proving who they are but when you're asking for things that are just really like silly it, it just got really ridiculous and made it so 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 hard um, my dad actually had a stroke um, last year so all of this happening um, at that time was just like if he had died they would I definitely would have felt like they were responsible um, which is really sad yeah really oh. sad thing to happen how's he yeah. doing now He's good. He's he's mostly recovered. Um, that's so good. that's good to hear. There's a really morbid take, but yeah, I think it was Sarah Connor dying. That that as well was like the stress of something like that. I mean, sent back to a country that you, I guess, like to some extent, some people know quite well, but others, if you have no ties, that's really traumatic. The injustice is is screaming out. How do we help? I think it's just a case of staying brushed up on it. With black and brown voices, we often talk about the injustices that we face or have to endure, and sometimes that is not heard or listened to. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's only until a white voice kind of validates that experience or kind of says it out loud that it then gets taken more seriously. Um, like, like, for example, with parallels with like the Me Too movement, a black woman started that whole thing, and yeah. then it was only until white women really brought that into the, the like into the mainstream consciousness so I think understanding that the, the privilege that you have enables you to platform and amplify voices that ordinarily wouldn't get that chance is important and if you're brave enough to speak out speak out and keep asking questions honestly um, I think the biggest problem with even social media and technology is that we get really distracted really quickly and we forget that some of the movements or causes that we cared about actually still require active participation so keep asking questions what's going on with that if you know someone that's personally affected by Windrush ask them has that person's situation been resolved can they write to the counsellor can they write to their MP and keep asking questions there's really small acts of activism that anyone can do and if it's as simple as calling your MP and asking them a question it keeps that in their consciousness so I think even that that would be like probably the biggest thing with, with regards to Windrush but also like putting pressure on journalists, journalists and the press too like I want to follow up to your article. Is there any updates on this? Have you been checking in? Because then that keeps that in the in the wider conversation as well. Because there's as as lucky as my dad's been to get his citizenship and have that resolved relatively quickly in the grand scheme of things. There's still a lot of people still fighting for it or who haven't got the right school certificate to prove that they're who they say they are and that they're a British citizen. So yeah, keep asking questions and keep calling people um, or make a point to call your MP at least once and to say, hey. What's going on with our Caribbean friends? Has that Windrush stuff been sorted out? Just ask. Just be curious all the time. The government obviously put out a positive spin and there's been stories that are like thousands of Windrush generation granted citizenship and it's like, yeah, but what about the ones who haven't been? You're right, we just need to keep pushing. And it is too easy, especially in this world, which seems very fast-paced, to go, oh, I've ticked that off my list, I've done my bit. And actually, no, we need to keep back and keep doing our bit, particularly when we've got an unfair amount of power and privilege. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> Let's end on something a bit more positive. Tell me what you're looking forward to most about Black History Month. I'm actually really looking forward to the Hate You Give movie. I've seen it, but I'm really looking forward to watching it again. I seem to be watching movies twice lately. The Hate You Give movie is just so powerful. Um, the book is phenomenal. I definitely recommend people read that. It's about a teenage girl who witnesses her friend, 17-year-old boy, get killed by a police officers, and all he had is his hand with a hairbrush. That, I don't think that's a spoiler for anyone. That's just what happened. Um, and it's like pretty much in the, the blurb. 
And yeah, it basically just sets a course, a chain reaction through the community. And there's a lot of stuff that they deal with in there from like black relationship, some black history. And there's like, I guess, kind of nods towards the Black Panther movement, entrepreneurship in black communities, specifically in America, in an American context. Like, I'm really looking forward to this movie just coming out and people seeing it and reacting to it. I'm always a good fan, a big fan of like movies that come out during Black History Month. I'm also really excited about the programming across the Black Cultural Archives. I think they do such a phenomenal job of chronicling Black Brits in Britain and also the joyful side of that. So if you're not looking for the pain and suffering, if you happen to be in London and can get down to Brixton, uh, the Black Cultural Archives should be something that you definitely tap into just to get a general vibe like they do things around like the origins of like black music and that's just a really nice thing just to kind of document a, a group's history through music and radio stations and that's really fun so things like that i i am really looking forward to the most um as well as kind of just reading some books that, on history that i haven't dabbled in already amazing imriel thank you so much for joining us where can people find you i am generally on twitter at Imi Morgan, I am I, and Morgan like the captain. And, <laughs> um, and also the podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at Wannabe Podcast. Um, and I will be releasing one episode every Wednesday for Black History Month with some really incredible Black women. So do check that out if you're looking to kind of diversify your followers. There's always a really good selection within the podcast guests that you can just definitely check out and they're always worth following and staying on top of what their movements are as well. <laughs> 